Hello, and welcome to Catamania. For a while now, I have been wanting to bring someone who really understands from like an expert point of view, fitness and nutrition. I've been wanting to do that for a while, and I, I want to continue to bring that subject to my podcast because there's so much conflicting information out there and so much confusion surrounding these areas that I, I honestly think it's a subject that sort of never ending. So I'm starting with a great individual who came on. Her name is Anastasia Sladini, and she is a certified fitness and nutrition coach, former professional 400-meter runner representing Russia for five consecutive years, and MPC bikini competitor in the United States. She works at a luxury gym as a personal trainer, and I was quite fascinated by how in-depth she goes when it comes to training each individual. And by in-depth, I mean how how much assessment goes into making sure that the right training program is picked and the right nutritional program is picked. So I think there's definitely loads of information in this episode. And I also don't want to intimidate you by that information because no matter where you are on your fitness journey and no matter where you're starting, I think it may seem overwhelming when you listen to something like that, but really all it is is just education and knowledge, right? So you listen to it and you pick whatever works best for you, and then you go with it. So this is more of a technical technical approach to fitness and also an approach of a professional athlete, which is pretty amazing. Aside from fitness and nutrition, we also chatted about being an immigrant and moving to a country for you know a better life, uh, lifestyle, and all things that come with relocating to a brand new place. So I hope you enjoy and don't forget to give this podcast five stars if you do. It means more than you know. And you know, come say hi to me on social media platforms and specifically Instagram with my handle being Christina Cataman, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-C-A-T-A-M-A-N. I finally got an expert in the area that people think I'm an expert in, which I'm not, but just because I work out a lot and I watch what I eat, people right away assume that like you, you really know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I guess I do because I base such hard attention to it and I've tried so many things and I'm doing things that work for me, but I don't like I haven't had any education in it, right? I just tried stuff on myself and I'm I'm doing what works for me. So why don't we so we were just talking before, you know, we started recording this that when you and I first connected um, and you reached out to me, you felt like you knew me because you knew me from social media. Was I the same person as I am on social media? Um, I think so, yes, because Maybe you have also added a lot of uh, additional stories, right? And then you show how your day is like and you just show your real self. And, you know, because the videos, for example, I do understand the humor and I can also tell, you know, where you're acting, but it's, uh, which is a great talent. Uh, but it was also interesting to see how, you know, you act and your podcasts are also completely different, right? There are a lot of great, serious conversations and uh, I have enjoyed uh, watching some of them. And I have decided to reach out because, you know, we also speak the same language. So I, I thought maybe there is a chance, you know, that we could connect. And um, I find that what you do is very um, inspirational because sometimes I do find myself doubting, you know, if I should put more time and create more content and like there are always, you know, some excuses. And with your example, I found that, you know, you can actually connect with so many people online and maybe we would never had a chance to meet in person, right? You know, you're in Canada now, I'm in the United States and it's just how you keep, um, keep things, you know, open for conversations and you, you stay true to your, to yourself and your standards. So I respect that a lot. And so, yeah, that's how I decided to contact you and you, you look completely the same. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I love how it somehow turned into like an introduction of me, you know, <laughs> after asking that question. No, but thank you. I, I definitely really appreciate you saying that. And it means a lot. Um, I had someone come up to me once on the street and they were like, they asked me something about like my mom. Cause it was right after I like came back from Moldova after visiting my family. And I remember I was like, how do you know about my mom? And then I was like, oh yeah, because I like posted stuff because I, <laughs> my life is kind of public, right? But for a moment I was like, wait a minute, that's that's funny. But no, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And I try to separate comedy from my podcast. Um, not to say that I never want to have like comedic conversations on here, but I just think there's other value that I could provide through the podcast, you know? So that's why I like the podcast tends to be more serious than my other content. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, also not to make it too, too serious. I never want it to be like a very heavy thing, but sometimes, you know, I just want to have natural conversations and that's kind of how it goes. So tell me or tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. What's your background? How did you end up in fitness? Where are you from? I grew up in Russia and, um, I spent a lot of years, probably seven years running track and field. So prior that, so my dad and mom invested a lot of time into my sport activities and uh, I did swimming and sport aerobics. And at the age of 10, uh, my dad actually noticed that I, I was a fast kid and everyone was asking me if my dad was my coach because he just spent so much time with me. and. He was skydiving, you know, he had his passions and he, he never did um, track professionally, but it, I grew up in a small town and where, dad, where did you grow up? Where uh, are you from? I grew up in Ulyanovsk and oh, okay. it's close to Kazan. Have, have you yeah. heard? Have you been? I ha I've never been, but yeah. I've heard. Uh -huh. yeah. I've heard. So um, it was a small town and we, we didn't have a lot of coaches, but my dad found a team of uh, students. So there, there were basically uh, students training for like college competitions and stuff. And I joined them at the age of 14. So I, I was training with students and things picked up really fast. I think I was in that age where you, you could really see a lot of return. And um, I've been training, you know, with, with this group for a while. And at the age of 15, I started going to the national events, but it was, um, the benefit was that we were all divided into separate groups, like youth groups, junior groups. So I was winning a lot of youth and, uh, junior national stage competitions, which were a big deal. And they allowed me to be in the national team for five consecutive years. And I knew that it would be a choice later on because, uh, we kind of merge, um, with adults, like when we, um, I think at the age of 23, so you start competing with, with everyone in the country, you know, not just your little group. And I was, I didn't know at the moment, um, how things are going to turn out, but it, it was a dream to basically go to the, you know, the world championships that I, I went to as a youth competitor. So I wanted to go to like an actual world championship and the Olympic team, it also didn't feel like it was a, a dream that was impossible because we, we just saw how the career of um, other athletes were turning out to be, you know, athletes that were 10 years older. So we knew that, you know, when time comes, there will be our group, like kids born in 1993, 1994. But then um, in 2015, th there were sanctions against um, Russian track track and field athletes and that was the year when no one went no one competed internationally and basically no one knew that it's going to last for that long and 2015 was the year where i came to the united states for the first time as a work and travel student so that was the time for me like just just to basically separate um my life in track and field a little bit so i had no agenda to stay in the United States. I had one more year uh, of school back home. So I went back home and that 
final year at school, basically I was still training. Uh, and then we were training to go to the nationals before the Rio Olympic games. And for me personally, I knew that there, there is probably no chance to get selected even for the, uh, relay because, you know, I would have to compete with everyone. Uh, but my friend actually, she, she finished, um, in the, you know, in the final, in the top six. And then if like my friend, she was the same age as me. So if the team was allowed to go, she would have gone to the Rio Olympic games, but everyone was still under the sanctions besides one athlete long jumper who was training here in the United States. So basically everyone skipped in a, you know, another year. And that's when everything, you know, changed in my life. And I kind of buried the dream and I finished school and I just had to move on with life. And that's when I slowly started coming to the United States and slowly transitioning into fitness and, you know, just being, being a trainer, being a coach myself. But, um, it, it definitely happened sooner than I expected and you know, no one expected this kind of events happen and sanctions. And, um, you know, everyone just thought everything will be normal soon. And if, you know, Atlas would compete and that's pretty much what we need. Uh, if it's a career, we need to win titles. That's how you make, you know, earnings and you need some commercial international, um, competitions as well. Uh, other than that, you know, people either like retire, they get a job or, but it's like very hard to find sponsors that way. If you only compete on, on the national level. So I just like cut it, you know, after, after school. So right. I, I didn't waste more, more years on like waited. It's definitely making zero sense to me. It always has that people who have absolutely nothing to do with anything on like an international level in the sense of any kind of foreign political policies have to be punished for things that politicians are doing, right? It's just never made sense to me, but it sounds like you definitely turned your adversity into something positive. So how was your move to the United States? You moved, you said in 2016 or... I came back the second time in 2016. Um, so the first year I spent in Massachusetts, there was just like a random stay that, you know, I found the, the job offering and then we traveled. And mm -hmm. then it was very interesting how, like, I really, I was very um, surprised and impressed by how people were uh, helping me and they were like open-minded. I met a family in California, the family that lived in Orlando, Florida, and they ended up helping me with getting visa the next year, which was just so random um, because I needed a different type of visa and I needed the invitation. And it was just so, so weird to get it from the stranger versus there was another Russian family that I have known for years. And then they denied, you know, it's kind of like, can be another joke in that, in that field, you know, like Slavic and right. American type, because, you know, they were suspicious what I'm going to do. They didn't want to put their name in there versus, you know, like American friend who I have known for like a week or so. And then we were just like hanging out, like watching. Isn't that just... so interesting? Like I've, I've heard <laughs> so many stories like that. I've heard so many stories of like people from, uh, you know, many Slavic nations coming to like, you know, United States or Canada and similar situations happening. Like they, they don't get help from their own people. Right. Like I know my husband, <laughs> my husband is Serbian and very similar experiences have happened. Of course, there were families who were also helpful, but it was just, it's so bizarre to me that like, wouldn't you want to help like your people, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so Did that works someone? out. Yeah. Uh, that worked out. They, um, they helped me. I ended up visiting them later. So, and then it ended up being a five month stay because, um, I was still figuring out. So it was like a completely new situation for me now. Okay. There is no program and there is no more school anymore. And then, um, I was, I wasn't yet even 22 at a time. So it was just like very green. And like, I didn't know, you know, if I decide to move right now, what, what my steps would be, what about, uh, like work permit and like, can I, you know, support myself? So, uh, 
it ended up being the second visit and then I returned home and came back in April 2017. And that turned out to be, you know, um, the, the, the stay that was, um, I guess, crucial in my, in my life because I ended up just, you know, fi finding the right people and I moved from Florida to New York city. And then I ended up, uh, having a relationship and then uh, we ended up getting married and I ended up, you know, before that everything was just ex exchange, um, extending my status, changing um, different visas, like applying to the English school. So I was just trying to get as much time as possible and to figure out if I can even, uh, if I like New York, if I can support myself here. And then I ended up, you know, finding family and, and stay in it, you know, it was a roller coaster of events and it's been six years and I'm, I'm still trying to finalize the, the last steps, but, um, uh, I just can't believe, you know, it's, it's been six years already and like three and a half years of, of that period. I, I was coaching, coaching mm -hmm. clients. Yeah. That's amazing. When I, I think in general, like immigrants, who come to places like us and Canada, whenever we share our stories with people who were, you know, for generations born and raised here, people usually can't believe it. They're like, wait, you moved here on your own. Like, how did you, how did you do that? That seems so crazy. And if you look back on your steps, they do seem really crazy, right? Like, I'm sure you look back and you're like, how did I even like do this? How did I not get scared? Or I'm sure you got scared, but how did I like push through all the fear? And it's mm -hmm. always such an inspiring thing to see, you know, how you come with pretty much nothing except for maybe your skills and what you have in here in your head. Right. And you just, you make it right. You make it work for yourself. And so you currently coach people. You continue to coach people. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. so tell me, mm -hmm. tell us, tell the listeners <laughs> and me a little bit about your current work. So I have started, uh, I would say it, it was two different worlds <laughs> before the pandemic and, you know, after pandemic and, right. you know, before I moved to the United States, um, also like being an athlete, but I, I had a little bit of an experience working with kids and, uh, I had a little bit of an experience, which was weird experience. <laughs> it was just an opportunity in Russia. Uh, one lady got pregnant and she, she asked me to teach aqua aerobics for her. Uh, and I was like, that was weird. You know, pe people in the swimming pool and I'm like completely no idea, you know, how that resistance, you know, feels that it was just not my field, but at least I got a little bit of, um, idea what it is to work with people. And I, I learned and I worked with kids and, you know, the work here. So I got hired, um, it, it was funny. I, I got hired in the summer of 2019, two weeks after I did my, um, one and only bodybuilding show. So I was going into the interview, like, so oh, you confident. did a bodybuilding show. I did a bodybuilding show. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about that as well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so th that was, um, a transition, um, before I got into, uh, working in, in a, in a commercial big gym, uh, I just wanted to transform myself, um, transform, you know, my body, like get myself back because it was difficult in the beginning working, you know, part-time jobs. And I kind of didn't feel like myself. So I started training for the show with the thought in mind that, you know, I'm getting certified, um, as a NASM personal trainer because all the diplomas and credentials that I brought from Russia, they, they didn't count anymore. So I kind of had to get certified here in the U S and can, we, can yeah. I just, sorry, interrupt you for one second, because this is a really common thing for, for those of you who are listening to this mm -hmm. and are like, why would it not count? I think most people that I know who have immigrated to Canada and United States and pretty much all over the Western world, w education that you get in like ex USSR republics literally doesn't count here. So you have to either redo it or like get a new career. Or I, I don't think I know a single person who moved here and continued working in the mm -hmm. same field with mm -hmm. no further education, which is crazy. 
Because I know the education there is not bad. Right. It's, it's, it's good, right? But it's just, right. yeah, I guess the standards here are just way yeah. too high or what. I don't know. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. What, what about yourself? Uh, did you have to go through the same steps uh, or you? No, because I moved here when I was really young. I moved here when mm. I was two months away from turning 17. So I kind of started fresh on everything. So, oh, wow. yeah. But mm-hmm. like my mom, for example, I the amount of times you know we've had these conversations with her because my mom's a doctor and you know she's a doctor who was trained in ussr when ussr was still a thing and so when it collapsed my mom is a heart surgeon by by trade and this is why i'm so adamant about like there's this trend in the west about communism like some people think that communism just hasn't worked out yet and we should try it again and i'm like this is just no like please let's not try it again because my mom as a heart surgeon in ussr was doing okay because it was communism and everyone is equal even though that's not the case we all know that no not everyone was equal right but when ussr collapsed uh my mom pretty much continued making the same amount of money that she she was making during the soviet times which basically led us to be a really poor family because she wasn't making enough money as a heart surgeon and when i tell people here about that i'm like my mom was a heart surgeon who could barely afford to have a family their eyes go like what she's a heart surgeon she's like she's supposed to be one of the highest paid professions out there and i'm like yeah but that was not the case right when when ussr collapsed that was and I remember having these conversations with her. I was like, mom, you know, especially when I moved to Canada, I was like, you know, if you move here and you do your job here, like in Canada or US, you would be like, you know, in the top 1% of the population. And she always would tell me like, yeah, but I would have to go to school all over again because my education and my experience, maybe my experience would count towards something, but my education wouldn't. So, mm. yeah. So d- d- did you move with the, with the family, right? Your mom? Okay, no, no, I moved on mm-hmm. my own. Mm-hmm. I see. My mom stayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she's built herself there. Um, it was really tough. I remember growing up. For everyone, it was tough. I mean, all of the all of the you know, I think ex USSR republics went through some. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, still probably going uh, through some tough times. But she's built herself in a in a way that I think she's happy there. And you know, it's her home, so I don't think mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. as open. And and plus, you know, my brother and my family is still there, mm-hmm. so I'm the only one who left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only I one see. who moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry. Let's let's talk about you now. <laughs> so yeah, the education I think um very similar with um what what you were saying about your mom. Yeah. Um experience definitely counts because um for example the um, it's just the certification part i think is the same as like get getting a license um at least being able right um i mean here i have noticed how strict is that like for di- different certification right you like go and you attend a different workshop or you get another degree and um so i understood that part and in the beginning it was very difficult because i had to learn everything in English and I struggled because anatomy and physiology and kinesiology, like all all those sciences, it was very hard for me, not only to remember the terms, but also understand and like, you know, and explain it to people. And uh, I'm still learning. I feel like I'm, I'm still, you know, with every certification, I'm learning something new, but at least that first cert, um, it was a must for me to even, I mean, before the cert, you, you need to have a work permit as well. That again, like if depends on, um, the circumstances when I, I first arrived, uh, uh, I, it wasn't the case. I, I couldn't even apply for a job, you know, like be, being a trainer. So it, it took, you know, two years, but at least within those two years, at least I learned, you know, the language and, um, I saved up some money and like trying to help people with, uh, photography. So I was doing that too. Uh, and, uh, my dad was a photographer. So I, I found, uh, another part-time job in coffee because I love coffee so much. So I wanted to learn how to make, you know, like latte art and all that stuff. And then when I, I got the work permit and I got the the certification. So that's when, um, I, I did the bodybuilding show and then I got hired, but in the process of the interview, uh, 
they they really um, surprised me with like the difficulty of questions. I remember how my legs were shaking. We had to uh, come up with like imaginary case study and a program design and explain and i remember like i took the initiative i had to represent the group and i haven't had an experience yet like working in a box gym you know i was a track and field athlete but i haven't coached anyone before right and so you that knew was things but you it was mm -hmm. you've never had experience actually like coaching people mm -hmm. yeah so that was hard uh but uh, i got hired like i i traveled home and then basically before the pandemic um, we had a completely different setup, more trainers. We had maybe 45 trainers only in one location and, uh, hours like six to 8 AM, there was literally no, no spot on the floor. So everyone was happy enough just to grab like a piece of, uh, corner, I would say, or a mat where you, you know, like a lot of my, my clients were training, you know, with dumbbells and like you know, I haven't used kettlebells at a time yet, but now I use them a lot. And, but the gym was just so full. We have thousands of members. And now I would say it's a luxury because I can really see we have so much more space. I guess some people, they still either like work remote or they, they switch to in-home training or all kind of different apps. And I don't have that problem anymore with my clients in the morning or like the busy hours. We still get the access to the squat rack if we need to, um, like the machines. And But I try to supplement with, you know, in-person training. And there are people also doing the programs. So before I was designing, you know, through Google uh, spreadsheets. Now there is a True Coach app. And some people move, but at least in the beginning, we, we get that foundation and technique and uh, periodization. So I kind of break down a few cycles for them. And we, we, of course, we have more uh, different tools and assessments at the club. You know, when someone is training online, uh, I have to be very creative how we assess and like different forms um, that I have to like gather and send. Uh, but you work at a, at a luxury gym, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're saying when you, when you talk about measuring, what do mm -hmm. you guys measure specifically? Mm -hmm. Like when a new client comes in and wants to work with you and be trained by you, what do you guys measure for them? So in the beginning, um, we, like the, there were two, um, two different ways we, we gather the information. So the, the first four levels um, at our company, we have a very um, small assessment where like within one hour, you get to have a questionnaire, you have the in-body scan, blood pressure, like functional movement screen, uh, just to get an idea how the person moves, what the goals are, if you're a good match, and you can even squeeze in, depends on, on the time, uh, if you have time, like the, the basic strength assessment. And at the, at the top level that last year I finished that program, we incorporated a two hour assessment that again, depends on the client. If the client is very interested into getting their basal metabolic rate assessment done and VO2 max assessment, and they're fit enough to run on a treadmill with the mask and the heart rate monitor. So then the full in-depth assessment would be a questionnaire that has over 100 questions. So you kind of have to be really interested, ready, willing, and able, you know, like to, to do this, to put enough time and thought into like writing down what exactly you would like to learn. And just to give a little bit of info on the like, medical history, because sometimes we do refer out, we have physical therapy as well, and we sometimes work together with physical therapy or dietitians or massage therapists. So we just gather that information. And when the client comes, we have a conversation and then we measure the blood pressure. We measure um, the circumference. We have a Fit 3D tool. I don't know if you have seen that before. It's like a 360 degree uh, measurement. Like you can see it. there is a camera there. You can see your posture. You can get the measurement of waist to hip ratio. Um, it's a good tool also to reassess if someone's goal is a, a body recomposition in body, like by impedance machine as well, uh, calculates how much muscle versus water versus the 
FATMAS, you have a great tool also to reassess uh, the progress. And then basal metabolic rate, it's a 20-minute assessment that we also do. It includes uh, heart rate monitor mask. You have to be fasted. It reads the, the exchange of the oxygen carbon dioxide. We can see how much, um, just in general, how much energy, how many calories you burn. Uh, are they coming from fat versus carbs? Uh, so we can have the conversation, like, again, uh, with nutrition and recovery and breathing. And then the last part would be the VO2 max assessment, uh, just to get the breakdown uh, of the five uh, zones, heart rate zones. And again, it can be very specific if someone is really into cardiovascular training and they're training for half marathons, what a lot of New Yorkers do. You know, we have a bunch of people um, participating in New York City marathon, uh, New York City tri triathlons, uh, and just runners, uh, and then people who try to achieve their recomposition. We want to see the number, like the VT1, basically when they start to tap into, you know, 50% of the carbs uh, versus fat utilization, and then when they go 100% into the carbohydrates. So it will give us an idea in which zone they have to, like what should be the heart rate for their for their zone two cardio training versus the zone five, spring, high intensity intervals. And again, it's a super specific assessment. And then you have to also push yourself to get to be very uh, close, right and accurate in terms of the VO2 max, because like if you like stop earlier, then it, you know, it won't be accurate as well. And so then there are also different assessments that people can do or the formulas, right? There are like a bunch of different ways. And, uh, and you guys do all of that at the gym. We do that at the gym. Oh my God. I've been going to the mm. wrong gym. I just like, show up <laughs> and work out. <laughs> that sounds like a really intense assessment. Intense. <laughs> Yeah. Do you, so mm. would you say that someone who, you know, wants to be fit and healthy and mm -hmm. look their best and feel their best, would you say that at least like once it's necessary to do the full assessment that you guys provide? I would say yes. If you are, uh, ready to, to see that data, because I, I've definitely had a few people, uh, when I was transitioning into that level and the, we had that opportunity uh, with all the active clients to uh, make them go through the assessment first. And I've definitely had a little bit of resistance from some of them. And I totally understand that because some either recover from, uh, you know, like they're still in a postpartum or they had an injury or uh, gained weight or going through divorce and they just don't want to see that data. And then, then again, we, we move on um, yeah. until, you know, they, whenever they're ready and, but I would definitely recommend, or we could, you know, choose at least what is appropriate for that client, because we, again, um, you know, there is a protocol, but like everything else, even the program itself, hundred percent modifications every week, I have to modify something with my client, whether, you know, it's a, the, the volume or like the frequency just based on how how their week goes and how their their month goes and sleep and everything so some of the data i would say definitely will make you um it's you know it's a, a lot of it also comes uh right motivational interviewing what i'm learning now through like health health coaching and instead of just telling a client what to do we question and then it's a great opportunity and that time outside of training when the person actually gets to think and reflect and they know the answer right so you just provide that you know opportunity uh one-on-one -on -one. it's it's a separate room so it it makes it very comfortable for a person to open up and uh you know, for us to hear the change talk, and then we build up on that, which habits should we like incorporate and benchmarks. So even like just for the conversation part, everyone should have an, an assessment. Right. Do you mainly train women? Um, 65% maybe I still have some men and uh, I don't want to go 100% women to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of, um, or I guess maybe what is your take on um, women and cycle and how that affects mm. our training? 
Oh, yes. So it's funny enough. Is that why you don't want to work with women? Because of the cycle <laughs> thing? <laughs> Maybe it's a part of it. <laughs> but I think um, it's it's different. The, the, um, again, the, the training is different. Sometimes like the mindset is different, right? It may have more testosterone. So it gets to hit, you know, PRs and stuff, right? Women, you know, like most of them just uh, train for looks. I would say with men, right. you know, we actually, you know, get some performance stuff. So it's just, just more interesting for me sometimes that you you can actually, you know, also achieve something besides, you know, just the, the weight loss component. But I definitely started training for looks, like for sure. Uh-huh. Now I stay because of the looks and how I feel, like it just feels really good. But I definitely stri- uh-huh. started strictly for the for the looks. I'm like the first one to say it. Uh-huh. <laughs> When, yeah, I want to look good. <laughs> yeah. When did you start? Um, the the resistance training. Uh maybe like eight years ago. Like before okay. that, I wasn't. I would do like yoga and stretching, mm-hmm. and then I would say about eight years ago, I started mm-hmm. to really take it seriously and weight training, resistance training, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I saw your video um, YouTube, so I was I was happy you guys stopped by the gym and you did some goblet squats, and then. You, yeah. you did some routine with weights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I train. I do weight training about five times a week, uh, and then I, I stretch every single day. So I stretch for splits mm. every day. It's. I mean, I love it. Right. It, the way it makes you feel. It's. It's. You can't compare it. Mm. But I do notice that mm. my cycle affects my performance. I, so how how so, do you find that? Yeah, that's that's definitely there is a part of it. Um, it's actually my my. I had earlier today. Uh, I had a check in with with a coach. So recently, I decided. Uh, I feel like it's a great time right now before the summer, and then not only that, you know, January resolution, but it's just it's such a good time of the year when. Uh, and again, same same probably as in Canada, in New York, it's cold, and like everyone is just very good with the routine, and maybe not traveling yet as much. So I decided to uh, hire an online coach uh, for myself as well, because I felt like I've been going through, you know, like the same programs and kind of, you know, like similar results, kind of similar physics, similar strength goals. And I hired um, a train, a coach who, who was um, one of the top, uh, top eight, she was actually in the top five in the Olympia competition in 2022. And I, but the, working over the cycle was also something that I'm very curious about because the way they just get so lean and especially, you know, when the, when the peak week comes and then the competition and then in the off season, how do they maintain? Of course, you, you, you gain some weight back and some water, but I'm very curious how you know, she's going to guide me through that. It's been um, only two weeks so far. And then that, that past week when I have noticed also my the cravings around the period. So it was uh, very hard for me. Again, I had to um, do modification in terms of the weights. So they can be like the, the absolutely same structure, whatever you, you're using. Uh, but then you can again if if it falls on your deload week, right? You deload the weights. You prioritize the form and technique. Uh, What's a deload? It, is that when you like? What is it? Yeah. So I'm not even so gonna guess. Uh, the deload week. So basically, you you like supposedly, right? Uh, sometimes I feel like people just don't nonstop uh, train, but if you progressively overload, and then you can like notice. Uh, it is different for everyone, like three to six weeks when you can like progressively overload and then your body needs to recover. So that week is not that you are not, not showing up at all or like take a complete, uh, you know, week off. You are not going up, you know, with the intensity and, you know, like just the volume in general, you are like either stay where you are or deload to so decrease the intensity and you allow your body actually to recover and grow, but you can have the same split, the same movements, but just focus more on the form, on technique, maybe uh, mobility work, and you are not trying to put any extra weight on the barbell or like any like equipment that you use, machines. So you are basically just going up with the weight and deload, you reset, and then the next cycle, you're, you're basically trying to go up again. 
And would you say for yeah. women, it's recommended to deload around, around your period? So I would say if it's a, if it's a, like a four week, um, cycle that is definitely kind of going to, uh, to fall around that, uh, mm. that is, you know, that's a perfect opportunity because, uh, even like no, notice how, how you feel like a few days prior, uh, there, there was, um, like in pre and postnatal workshop, we, um, we have d discussed that a little bit, but I also saw the graph that, that like the performance, like the, definitely the, the week prior, you, you might not feel your best versus like a, like a two weeks after. Uh, and then again, some people feel great. So that's, that's why when I work with women, I feel, I don't know how, uh, male trainers do that if they even bring that up. But, mm. you know, I, I ask, um, permission to ask that question. And, uh, and then some feel absolutely fine. Uh, and some, you know, some women do share whether, you know, they had certain cravings with food or whether, you know, they didn't sleep well, or they, they feel cramps and bloated. And then, you know, certain movements with like a lot of pressure, tension, like deadlifts, you know, like they might not feel, um, you know, well, and you, you just have to, uh, find it an easy modification. And definitely, you know, if you haven't done that before, maybe you actually did, if you felt that, okay, you know, it affected me, maybe that's what you naturally did without just knowing that you were deloading that week. So that's what I'm yeah. thinking too, because I definitely, I know women who actually feel like a energetic, mm -hmm. I guess, wave during their period. And they prefer to do like heavy lifting training during their period. Mm. I don't understand how they do because I'm the complete opposite. So usually the week of my period is, I guess what, what, yeah, what you're describing as deloading. I don't train as hard and I don't lift nearly as much as I can, as I normally would. And I norm, and I usually focus on stretching and more on like light exercises rather than, you know, mm -hmm. lifting heavy weights. And so I would say that it kind of falls on, you know, once my period is over and my cycle starts, the intensity of my workouts also goes up mm -hmm. and then it kind of slowly starts to fade away and get down because like about mm -hmm. a week before my period, I also don't feel as energetic. Mm -hmm. I'll push through it a little bit more, but I won't do nearly as good as not as good. Mm -hmm. It's still a good workout. It's just not as hard as mm -hmm. I would go in the beginning of the cycle. What about, so let's just touch on nutrition and mm. supplements, because I know that mm -hmm. you also work a lot with nutrition. You were mentioning that you want to get even certification in that area. You do have some certification in that area. What's your take on, is there like a mm -hmm. unified, you know, blanket statement for everybody? Like this is good for everybody. This is bad for everybody. What's your opinion on it? Nutrition is such an interesting subject. Yeah, uh, it's interesting subject for sure. Um, and there are a lot of myths, right? And like, I would say that for every topic, um, you can find, you know, controversial like, opinions, but what I did, uh, during the pandemic, uh, I got certified with NASM, uh, nutrition coaching and I liked their approach. Um, so basically there was uh, a lot of like breakdown of w what is, um, that particular uh, micronutrients or macronutrients. So basically in the beginning, we also learn um, the, I guess the scope of practice, right? And just what differs the nutrition coach from the registered dietitian. So we can definitely uh, educate. And there is, uh, there is a lot of information um, that I'm going to share some of it that if you actually follow that, you'll be, you know, it'll be more than enough unless there is a literally some complicated case or disease or disorder that you would have to be like referred out to a registered dietitian or if you want to have the blood work done, what I did last year, just in order like to see what supp supplements do I need because I have a like very well-balanced diet and I have so a little I, bit I of an, a mild envy, not really envy, <laughs> but we, we can do that in Canada. I, I, I'm pretty sure that we can't the blood work because the blood work. Yeah. Oh. So my husband always talks mm -hmm. about that because mm -hmm. he wants to do it too. He wants to do blood work mm -hmm. and then depending on the results supplement mm -hmm. and have, you know, nutrition set accordingly, you can't do that. So we're kind of doing mm -hmm. it more on an intuitive level. Whereas in the States, yeah, I think you guys mm -hmm. can, can, it's a whole debate, right? Like oh. the, the healthcare system between Canada and us, but I know that you guys can get blood work and then it's, it's fairly easy process too. Right. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I uh, maybe I have never researched, but I I didn't know that in Canada you you cannot have. Oh, but, but where do you have to go then? I'm sure you can, but mm -hmm. I don't think you can easily do it. Just you know, go into a clinic, get blood work mm -hmm. done, and then you know, find out the results. Like there has to mm. be some purpose for it. And the mm. purpose is usually your doctor says the purpose and mm. refers you to, you know, a specialist um, or whatever. So uh, it's not as, as straightforward. Mm. Um, cause um, you guys in the States have like, even like specialists more available to you because you have to pay for insurance in Canada. I mean, we pay for it in our taxes, but in Canada, mm. there's like a, like a standard healthcare mm. for everybody kind of thing. And we don't have, private uh what about aware? the like do you guys have anything like um an annual uh i guess the the visit something like that when you're we do just, yeah uh, we do something worth looking into and i mean whoever's mm -hmm. listening to this don't quote me on it if you're if you're in canada i don't know for sure but i just i've heard from so many people that it's way easier to get mm -hmm. results like that mm -hmm. uh when when it comes to your fitness in the mm. states than it is in Canada. Mm. So, but sorry, go ahead about so, nutrition. Yeah. So that part basically would um, the the last year when I decided to um, again, you know, like I I did the precision nutrition too, but I just wanted to see for sure because you know, like both courses like provided, you know, that this is this supplements for this, this is you know, like kind of like good idea of. Uh, how to design the like, nutrition program as well and calculate energy in, energy out. But I still had a lot more questions. And I th feel like if you really go uh, in depth, write all these details, um, like insulin and uh, all like supplementation, which is uh, like performance based, right? Um, I wanted an opinion from the registered dietitian. And so basically that was that annual visit uh, that I scheduled with the doctor. Uh, I don't have like the same one. I, I just like randomly booked someone and she, she was able to break it down and she told me like the panel, like the hormone panel, the vitamin panel, like the very specific ones that I had to request. And then based on that, um, we looked, you know, maybe like cholesterol or like some, some, there was something, you know, that I, I could take away, but, um, uh, there was no deficiency in anything, even though I thought maybe iron or, uh, at some point, like for, for the past couple of months, I wasn't taking anything. Sometimes I take, you know, vitamin Z, Z, me, uh, you know, now I'm just kind of like starting fresh and I got the list of things from, um, from the coach who, who competes right in bodybuilding. I'm just in a phase of, uh, trying a new program and I don't have yet, um, a specific date or a show, but I just know if I would ever do it again, like I would love to be better prepared than I did the last time because it was just for, you know, like experiment and experience and the list of supplements that, you know, she shared, I honestly need to, to do a research on that because, um, again, there is a natural, uh, bodybuilding league that uh, I'm interested in. And there are a lot of leagues that I'm not even sure if they're drug tested or not. And I'm at the point where I'm only taking um, protein powder, you know, like I'm not taking yeah. even, you know, creatine at the moment. And there are like so, so many different supplements that can help with recovery. And uh, my pre-workout is caffeine. And, but there, there is a long list of things. And again, it's like very specific on an individual, whether for gut health, right? Or again, like omega-3, and uh, vitamin D again, like depends on like, what is your diet? Like, do you get creatine from eating steak, right? Like eggs or fish or, you know, uh, or maybe you're deficient. Are you like vegan? I think, I feel like it depends on the, the type of diet the individual is following. And then if, you know, that that's at least what a lot of doctors also say that, you know, that the problem that might be with um, avoiding, you know, eating meat and um, you, you will definitely put yourself, you can potentially put yourself in a high calorie diet um, because of, you know, like the, the vegetables and those sources of incomplete proteins that you will be consuming. It won't be enough for you to get uh, like an average of one gram per pound of like body weight of like the protein requirement. So 
it will force you to overconsume, right? Like incomplete protein, or you will be just lacking protein. Then what you need is supplementation. But if you do have, you know, like a well balanced diet, and you again, how to know for sure is again tracking your food, which I know that not everyone is comfortable with that, but. How do you know for sure? Like how many, you know, um, if you if you reach your your protein goal, how many calories overall and the micronutrients? Like if you don't have a track of, I feel like that that's again the conversation that we we are having with people when they come and they start. We we need some data to work with. So at least in the beginning, but um, and I have um, decent you know, maybe half of the group that are really good fit using my fitness spell and they find it comfortable and they, they are aware now of the, the types of food and uh, the quantity and the quality and how they perform and they can track and see, you know, with the reassessment, like whether, you know, they feel better or they look cleaner. So we can, we can tell, uh, and it's much harder to adjust, uh, you know, with, with a group of people that, don't track food and find it very overwhelming or stressful or just don't prioritize it enough and don't, don't schedule it in their day. So then we're just guessing because you can be lucky enough on that particular day or week or month to expend more energy, right? Or you're just so stressed out with work and you, you just ended up having less that you need. But then uh, again, you can overconsume on other things or drinks that people, again, not, if you don't track, you're not always aware, right? How many calories and sugar. So then the, some of the like precision nutrition, uh, ideas, right? And I guess that's how we were also, uh, doing when, when I was growing up, right? The portion sizes that some people also lean towards that. There are studies, you know, if you have a smaller bowl, right, or like a smaller plate, you'll end up, you know, having less food. But it, again, it's, you know, it's iron things like hunger cues, the same thing. If you know you like leaving um, like the meal or like in the evening, right, uh, you just notice yourself hungrier than usual, right? You're probably creating that caloric deficit as well. But sometimes yeah. uh, feelings like how can we trust, you know, you feel tired or you feel hungry, you know, it's like, it, like emotional eating, like it, it without, it you know, it exists. And, I mean, yeah. a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know what their body is supposed to feel, right? It, it takes time to develop that. Like I've been kind of following a slight caloric deficit, um, not really a diet. I don't want to call it a diet because my diet is fairly balanced, but it, it, my kind of rule is simple for myself, slight caloric deficit almost no sugar. I save my sugar for wine, like no desserts. If I, if I really am craving like around my period, for example, if I'm really craving sugar, I'll have like 85 to 95% chocolate. And mm -hmm. that usually satisfies my craving, um, and protein, lots of protein. I've tried a vegetarian mm -hmm. diet. It didn't work for me, but I'm in tune with my body. Like I know how my body feels. And if I have like an odd craving for more sugar than usual. I know that that's probably not a real craving. It's probably just something that my body's going through right now that I need to address mm -hmm. more so than just like literally my body needs some sugar, you know? But I think that a lot of people, like it seems so overwhelming when you talk about this stuff, but it really isn't. You just have to start. You just have to start to, you know, work out, take care of yourself, pay attention to what you eat. You don't have to like be, you know, super paranoid about it, but just pay more attention. Like, what are you actually eating? What what food makes you feel good and what food just gives you like an instant, I don't know, happiness release, dopamine release, and then it goes away and mm -hmm. you feel super mm -hmm. shitty, right? Like now if I eat a piece of cake or ice cream, I will probably feel really unwell because I haven't mm -hmm. had cake or ice cream in a long time, you know? Not to say I'm never going to have it, like I'm human. Obviously, you know, sometimes we, we you know, I, I find a lot of people think like, oh, well, if you're into fitness and you take care of yourself, like, I don't want to deny myself of all these things. It's like, you don't have to completely deny yourself. You just have to be more mm -hmm. careful about how you, how you do it. So what I'm gathering from you is in terms of nutrition and supplements, it really is beneficial to just understand what your body needs first and foremost. So kind of get a little bit of an assessment on that. And then based on that, find the best possible solution for you or the best possible foods and supplements and what your body needs. Cause some of us are more deficient in things than others and certain things. Right. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, so, mm -hmm. that makes sense. So I would say um, it's also, you know, we have um, a lot of different forms, like depends on the client and their challenges. Um, I share um, form, for example, like um, gather the data. They can be, you know, if app is difficult, they can gather like a three-day plan, to, at least to get an idea, not only how much of, um, you know, this and that is there, but also just the habits, right? Because you you notice, you know, there was like a five-hour gap between meals and then, it you know, it can lead to like a very heavy dinner. Like, oh, you notice, you know, did the person uh, leaning towards snacking, right? And then same thing, you're like trying to like see and, you know, and incorporate strategies. So we, we can collect that. And sometimes it is also the, the like behavior, sheet same thing you know do you notice that uh do you like stress eat right or like the, there are some uh strategies that we also use during the social events right the same thing as like what you have mentioned if you bring um you know if you go somewhere and you build your plate around the, like a protein rich snack so right so same thing that is going to make you feel fuller like same thing water or uh share a dessert right like you can incorporate it in your in your macro um like i guess like the total caloric intake but maybe the next day deload the same way like we did the training right just again notice how you feel are you actually hungry you know maybe you're not even yet hungry yet for that breakfast because you overindulged the other day and in the end of the day it's all like it's a weekly caloric deficit right so if the one day is on one day is off right you just kind of again have to like somehow pay attention and if just find the tool, whether, you know, it's a journal or like track it somewhere in notes. Um, but if it's not that important, right, maybe I know like some people, I guess, just adjust on the go and they, they listen to the body. But very individualized, definitely would recommend uh, at least the annual lab work just to see where you at. So you're not just buying all these random supplements because there are so many of them online. And I don't always know if whether, you know, a person really recommends or is it just, you know, sponsored by certain thing. Uh, Garden of Life, that's that's what the dietitian that I worked with last year, uh, she told at least that this uh, brand is a third party verified. So all the ingredients that are there, you know, like you can trust because some supplements, they're like additional stuff that, you know, basically there are so many popular protein brands, like powder brands that she actually named just one. And um, so sometimes I, I also leave it up to people, you know, to choose their own if I don't know. For what's, sure. It's overwhelming yeah. the amount of things that are out there. But there's a website. I don't know what it's called. I'm going to find out and maybe try to include it in the like caption of this mm -hmm. episode. But there's mm -hmm. a website where a third party lab mm -hmm. test supplements mm -hmm. and they've exposed a lot of them like right. the ones that were not good and then they also test the ones that are good and yeah because it's it's just it's so overwhelming mm -hmm. um, but we're at our time here Anastasia this was a lovely conversation and I think that likewise I kind of wish I could you know have my podcasts for a lot longer because fitness and nutrition there's so much in it that you know it's I feel like you you can keep talking and talking about it. And it's also, like you said, so many of these things can be even controversial sometimes. So it's, it's, it's really a subject that is a never ending thing. But how can people find you and work with you? I have actually most of my following based and most of my listeners based in New York City. I don't know how that happened and why, but maybe, oh, maybe there's a lot of Slavic immigrants in New York. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but how can they work with you? Yeah. So I have recently um, changed my title um, to NYC Fitness Block. So it just from my from my name, um, I just I just put it there because I, I also think you know a lot of people search for fitness in New York City. So um, like the tag NYC Fitness Block on Instagram, and I attached the link there to my website. And on my website, um, you know, I usually showcase. Um, some clients there and my videos and there is a an option for online coaching that um, I also very happy uh, to 
offer a true coach app for for everyone to try it out and to see what this you know trial week is like uh, because I, I'm going to put the the workouts again it will start with the conversation and it will start with like the assessment and questionnaire so I get an idea of what the client wants and needs and then I would uh, manually insert the workouts and I like that the true coach has a huge library of videos so very often that the exercise that I need is already there. There is a demo. And if there is none, I can also fill my own. So that's how, you know, everyone can find it easier to like follow the video because in training, you will progress to uh, certain variations where you, you have a little bit of a different um, squeeze, you know, like different phase, d d different tempo. So I, I try to put as much detail as possible because that's, that's what makes every cycle slightly different. And then, so through this app, usually we communicate, there is a chat there and there is an opportunity for the calls as well in the virtual training. If we are not, you know, in the same neighborhood, I find, you know, that true coach is very helpful and um, I'll be happy to send you the version as well if you want to test it out and th that uh, menstrual cycle information that um, I would like to follow up as well just to like show you the, the, the graph that I've mm -hmm. seen if it's helpful and for everyone else basically um, NYC fitness blog that's my Instagram handle awesome thank you so much Anastasia thank you Christina put all those links in the captions I appreciate your time